You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcast. Hi from the Milkweg. We have Ferry, Boonsje, Rick Peters and myself Alex Witscher. This is the Curated Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Welcome, yes. welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Nice, yeah. nice. Before we go into everything that's been going on and will be going on, um, first a couple of questions. We don't give you any time to think about it. Just the first thing that pops into your mind yeah. is the answer. Yeah, yeah go for it. Ready? Best back-to-back ses- session you ever did? Um, best back-to-back was with uh, with Imanu at uh, Knox in the Woods Festival. What, who is your number one musical hero? Uh, Skrillex. What was the best groupie experience you ever had? Uh, well, it was just a couple hours ago. Uh, nah, I don't know, man. Like, I don't have groupies or stuff like that. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Not yet. What is the best du- Dutch venue? The best Dutch venue, Tivoli. The rising star of the future next to you. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's me. You caught me off guard. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, uh, Imanu, Imanu. What is the worst track you ever released? Um... I already thought about this because I heard it. I heard you ask it to uh, Bardo, and uh, I think it's hindsight. Yeah, hindsight. Hindsight. I don't like that track anymore. <laughs> I hate it actually. So in hindsight, you hate hindsight. Yeah, actually, yeah. in hindsight, you shouldn't have released it. What is the strangest thing to ever happen during a set? Um. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I. I've told this story like a couple of times to my friends, but I never, I never mentioned it in interviews. I think like it was when when I had to uh, stand in for Matthews in a back-to-back with Audio on the main stage at Korsakov. That's an old story by itself. Uh, but um, when I played my final tune, I uh, I had my USB just um, like somewhere on the left of the CDJs, and I was playing on the right. And then the next act after me, Mackie G was. Um, entering the stage and he just he didn't ask anything just ripped it out and it was the wrong usb and uh it was during the build-up of the last track and there were like a couple thousand people there so it wasn't that much fun but i had my spare usb on the right plugged in and on the cdj next to that i had the same track loaded in so i could go like (laughs) almost seamlessly from a track that has been ripped out to the to another one um which was coincidentally also available. Nice. So you were yeah. prepared without knowing you were prepared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what's the most important thing in your writer? Uh, most important? Uh, ginger tea. Ginger tea. Yeah. Like, I, I don't drink. I, uh, I'm i not really into alcohol. Never really been that into alcohol. But yeah, just the ginger tea is, uh, does magic. Cool. Last one. Your favorite MC? Fav- Swift, of course. The homie from Rotterdam. Yeah, man. Cool, thanks. Okay, uh, Ferry, uh, we are here on stage in the Max, the main room of the Melkweg. You've played here before? Uh, not in the main room, like in the smaller room I've played, yeah. What was your experience playing there? Uh, it was sick. Like, I actually, now that I think back to it, I don't think I was supposed to play there, but it was kind of like... Uh, we. I remember that uh, it was a divided night, so with uh, Abyss, Mark, a uh, good friend of mine, and uh, Imanu, Jonathan, and um, at some point, Mark had some problems with his CDJs and his and his USB because 
um, it just didn't work out and the files he had on the USB couldn't be played. And um, then he just said like, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to deal with this at this moment. I don't want to deal with this shit at this moment. Um, if you want to play, just go ahead and I'm just going to not play. And I was very excited about playing back then because like, it was my, one of my first gigs. Um, so yeah, I just uh, played another half an hour from what I remember and then had a, had a, had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. very impromptu. <clears throat> So yeah, the Melkweg is important for you because it's been one of the first shows that you did uh, yeah. as a DJ. Yeah. Um, talking about DJing and your first couple of shows, how did you start? Um, yeah, I just kind of kind of rolled into it. Basically, what I I, I kind of came from um, uh, a community of of friends which were very interested in uh, in bass music, and I also come from a time where, as a teenager, I grew up with seeing like lots of EDM and electronic music on the internet. Um, I was really into dancing when I was younger. I was also in a crew at some point. I performed a couple times. And what, what kind of dancing? Back dancing? Stuff yeah, like well, no, experimental dancing, like um, hip hop. Um, yeah, all, all kinds of things. Like there were like a lot of people in our crew which did various, various different styles. And it was really nice to, to get together and, and jam to music. And yeah, all of those like influences from my from my friends, but also from the dancing, it kind of led me to be introduced to um, to drum and bass because yeah, there, were, there are like various events in uh, in the Netherlands, which are uh, just great for that. That's how I roll into like the the drum and bass thing, and yeah, I was so impressed by it that I started thinking like, oh yeah, DJing is something that I really wanted to do, so I bought like a super cheap. Pioneer we go to controller just started jamming out like <laughs> with uh, with my mp3s in my room at my desktop yeah I slowly started learning that and then uh, yeah one of my friends his name, his name is Ronald Dex I was I always try to pay credit to, to the fact <laughs> that he brought me into this because like now it's my life of course yeah but um, yeah he kind of set me up with the first couple tools so that I could start to produce because it was something that I really wanted to do because like as a DJ you of course get into the music on a on a further level than uh, just the average listener and you start to get a feel for what the how the arrangement works and why certain tracks do work and why certain ones don't and yeah then I just started getting curious what it would be like to make my own tracks and I started envisioning more what it would be like yeah what what I would make what I wanted to hear in, mm -hmm. uh, on the dance floor yeah did you have examples of what you were imagining to to produce or just what came 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 up yeah well no not really an example it was mere like uh, some kind of vi vision like sound, sounds a bit pretentious i guess but it it was just i had these like very vague ideas of what, what of what i wanted my music to be and i guess if i go if if i if i reference um one of the tracks of my first EP here, it's called Thoughts. It was released on Divided uh, almost, yeah, a bit more than two years ago on my yeah, on my debut EP. And that was one of the tracks that kind of represented just the ideas that I had, which, uh, which I hadn't heard before ever. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it just sounds much more up-tempo and uh, very rhythmically interestingly structured and um, yeah, not so 
much in the in the bubble of drum and bass, even though that it gives off a kind of a similar vibe, but just yeah, something else, I guess. And you you were talking about <clears throat> coming from from like bass music and into drum and bass. Um, so you started producing white drum and bass because there's yeah obviously lots. To yeah, from. yeah, yeah. So basically, the thing with drum and bass was that I was really interested in it because I, when I started getting into producing music. I didn't start out with drum and bass. Actually, it took a while before I started appreciating it for what it is, because I was introduced to much more pop drum and bass, like no underground drum and bass at all. And this pop drum and bass, I just kind of thought that it was not so interesting. It just didn't appeal to me at first. Uh, and pop drum and bass is like the, the vocals, uh, dance. Yeah, much stuff. much more vocally interesting, and uh, I wasn't so much interested in melody at the moment. At that time, I mean, I am at the moment, but not back then. And um, yeah, it, it just took a while for like un- until my friends started introducing me to more underground artists. And uh, it was, I think, the first time that I heard heard um, like older Noisia tracks, like uh, from the Incessant EP. I was actually actually like completely blown away by it i was i was thinking like this is so incredible there's so many things going on at the same time like there's almost no space for all of these sounds because everything is going so fast but it's also straight to the point and uh compositionally very interesting it's just not just a a a blur of of random sounds and bass and and drums like there's like meaning behind the composition or that's what it felt like to me so yeah i was super impressed by it and then Gradually, I started getting the courage together to try and make it myself, which took a, like some time because it's super, super hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially with the, with the, with the stuff you're making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost as if I. Uh, it feels like punishment sometimes. <laughs> it's not. It's not always fun. It's definitely not always fun. Like, for for almost every project I have, I go through a phase of just pushing through even though there are like things I don't necessarily like about it. It's just uh, yeah, sometimes a bit of heartache involved, definitely, yeah. I, th- I think that's also part of being a producer, obviously. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Nobody has all of the time to attend to all the details that you would like to change. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah. but, but like you said, it took some time to, to, to really master that, the craft of producing. Um, yeah. Still mastering, still, w- w- still w- on w- it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay well, humble. I mean, when, you, when, you, when, you came, when you came in, your first release, it just basically skywalkers it. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how and why? Yeah, I was very glad with the, glad with the feedback that I got on the first release because I, it took me kind of a while to realize what it actually was. Like I wasn't aware of the fact that it was, like so, like uh, technically up to date. For me, it just felt like my first drum bass EP, and I yeah I did I, I was very inspired by music by by other drum and bass artists who are into like the technical side of the sound. So I represented that as well in my music, but I guess lots of people were impressed by that because they didn't think that somebody could just do it right off the bat. And uh, yeah. And any reason why you made it look, yeah, not easy obviously, but why Uh, both Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that because I, because it was the first project I really attempted to complete, I kind of stepped into it with a like uh, non 
biased mindset, like almost like completely objective and not um, bound by any uh, uh, traditions anyone else might have uh, or st stuck into them because they're used to making something some kind of way. I guess my sound was really inspired by making lots of things with synthesizers. I didn't work with old school breaks at all, which for some people is uh, yeah, unthinkable. And um, yeah, that led to the, the final product. So there were no boundaries for you because you were really new, fresh yeah. with the music. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you just started and just did what, you, what your in yeah, own interpretation first, uh, was of the music. Exactly, yeah. Because I, I didn't know what anybody else was doing either. I was yeah. just doing it by myself in my room. I think that's in the previous podcast with, with Nympho. He, he's told that, yeah, sometimes it feels like you're just filling in a pattern. Yeah. And yeah. you had nothing. I had no pattern. No, yeah. no. How's it nowadays? I mean, you're yeah, about nowadays years. it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> You've built your own pattern. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that own pattern is like, it's, you know, it's cool. It doesn't definitely represents who I am. And uh, I will gladly embrace it every time. But at the same time, it brings some, uh, some, yeah, some uh, conditions with it that sometimes limit me a little bit. Like lately, I've been working with DJ Fresh, and he's from a completely different direction of drum and bass yeah. compared to what I am. Like obviously with uh, his own project, but also with uh, with Back Company, and um, we've just been working on this project going back and forth. And it was he was mostly just being amazing at motivating me to not overcomplicate the project because I stepped into this 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 project with like I'm, I'm working with this amazing guy I want to step up deliver something great uh, and and also show the world on this platform that that we together cre will create that what is possible if if minds like these work together but yeah I didn't feel like it would be a, a great move to up in the end, I didn't feel like it would be a great move to overcomplicate the whole track and work on it for hours and then just slave away all of the details and then you're just, you're, you're just left with yeah, having spent a lot of time and, and then a final product that just sounds like something that is just sometimes a bit too neatly organized. Like there is no no life inside of it anymore. Yeah, so it's, it's, you don't want it to be too clean. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. And now this is, DJ Fresh has been around for I know, 20, 30 years in the drum basing, and yeah. he has made the boundaries himself yeah. with Bad Company. So how does it, how does does that work cooperating with a guy so experienced? And um, what's the difference between you and him as a as a producer? No, there are loads of differences. Um, yeah, just I guess the biggest difference is kind of coming back to what we were just talking about that we were just differently introduced to what it should be like we all, we both have this vibrant imagination of where the where the song could go whatever project we would pick up together we would both think in very different directions and after we would discuss in which direction we will go we can kind of pick a very good middle ground because um yeah he, i sometimes have very unrealistic unre ideas of what we could do and then it just takes up a lot of time or it just takes too much time to, to make a specific sound design thing I'm thinking about. And he's just like, yeah, but nobody cares about that, man. Nobody's <laughs> going to ever hear that. Like, I love the idea that you want to spend time on that and want to perfect it. But at the same time, like sometimes like what 
a lot of the best tracks have just been made in like a day or yeah. a night even just by uh, the limitations of what we had back in the day of not me but he and um also the, the limitations of like technical things that you just have like a couple mixer tracks uh on a on an analog mixer and just a couple hardware devices and that's just everything you have yeah and there that's what the need the that's what's going to make the music and you don't have any more technical choices so then you just need to be creative and uh, so um the positive positive thing you got out of it was like don't punish yourself too yeah, much. Yeah, also or? don't overcomplicate yeah. it. Just keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're learning that from DJ Fresh now. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. By the way, just it's done. It's yeah, done. it's done. Yeah, it's This week. No, nice, nice. Yeah. So it's coming somewhere soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, nice. But he isn't the first big shot, big shot DJ that you producer that you work with. I mean, no. you've got quite the list the last two years of major producers that you collaborate, yeah. collaborate yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. How does this one differ? Um, well, it differs a lot because um, he also has experience in, in pop music. And I definitely felt that when we when we sat down to work on the very start, uh, on the very idea of the track, like which, which direction are we gonna set off in? And um, yeah, we were basically just thinking about how are we gonna get this track uh, a very musical thing and sometimes whenever you work with somebody who operates very much in the drum and bass bubble it is more about like how can you build a, a vibe that feels a specific way like you want to make a dirty track wanna, do you want to make something that hits hard on the dance floor and and we kind of shied away from that so yeah, so yeah. It's, it's more about music in general, not just how the snare sounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When I listen to your music, it's really gloomy, dark. And what's what's your inspiration to? Uh, yeah, definitely lots of non-drum and bass tracks. Yeah. Actually, for especially lately, because like um, um, this this magic that we talked about—that when you're not biased by any. Uh, any 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 traditions you're used to or any habits you have when making a track like that feeling that's actually something i really fell in love with and i and i try in my workflow to set it up in such a way that i will feel that so i listen to lots of different music like incredible wide uh, like yeah like um uh, i listen to a lot of burial a lot of um yeah so so a lot of uh, future garage stuff I listen to a lot of experimental music from all over the, the, the electronic music scene, but also rock Non-electronic non music? Or? Yeah, lots of non-electronic music. I mean, like, I study at the conservatory, which <laughs> operates mostly on uh, orchestral instrumental music, so I'm also really inspired by that and those classes. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's also, you know, also a lot of pop music. Whenever somebody on a on a on an anthem like a super big pop, pop banger just does something really smart where I think yeah but I've never heard something like that in a drum and bass track or something else that I would love to make or yeah I, I think I think it's very natural to just translate those things and that artists like to make sense out of those things in their own way 
Can you listen to music as normal people listen to music? Or you always listen to music like, oh, translated to, oh, I can do this or that in my own production. What yeah. can I use from the music? How did they build the music? Kind of depends, kind of depends. Like if, I, if I'm really in the mood to try and dis- discover something about a specific genre, then I'll usually set myself up like Spotify playlists that I make for like a couple months. And then I'll listen to something specific Usually in that time period, I will like zoom in much more to specific genres that I'm researching at that time. But yeah, I mean, there's so much music out there. There's definitely a lot of it where I don't know anything about. (laughs) And that's usually the music which I can relax to. Definitely if the music is also composed in such a way, because like some music is just made for you to chill out to and not overcomplicate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were talking about the conservatorium where you're where you're studying. Yeah. Um, sonology. Could you explain a bit about about the, about the study? I've read some bits about in, in previous yeah. interviews you did. Yeah, it is like it's a super interesting um, uh, interesting bachelor which I'm which I'm doing. Um, what I, what I would like to mention right off the bat is like a common misconception is that like a lot of people think that I know the things I do because I study at the conservatory. To some degree, that is true because I will definitely pick up a lot of things at the conservatory yeah, and try to uh, mend them into my music in some kind of way or try to involve my inspiration. Um, but um, they definitely mostly just inspire me because you can see the, the curriculum of the study as something, as, as a process where you can discover a lot of things. And some things at that study just resonate with you as an artist mm-hmm. and some things just don't like that's why they have uh, a very uh, harsh uh, intake procedure it is just um, to make sure that everybody who starts on that study gets the most out of it and also if you're not experienced enough as a musician then you won't get much out of it because they it's not uh, just an entry-level study basically yeah. to a lot of those topics so you have anything there from from a very broad spectrum uh, reaching from music, of course, to technology, but also everything in between. So I have classes which relate to like classic music theory, applied music theory, uh, history uh, on music, but also things like um, programming, which is very up to date with uh, which, which, with what is possible with uh, technical um, possibilities, uh, opportunities. I mean. And um, electrical engineering, I've had some sound engineering as well. So working on stage with uh, live musicians. Yeah, and lots of project, projects from other studies at the conservatory as well, because like, every, every uh, year we have like about four weeks where we do um, workshops from uh, uh, other studies at the mm-hmm. conservatory. So if I just like to, you know, spend some time with uh, people playing instruments or um, people from the recording department, stuff like that, then you'll learn much more. And you can also pick and choose on what you think is relevant to inspire you at the moment. So so you, you didn't really choose to study to become a better producer, but a broader musician, yeah. basically. Yeah, just to be more well-versed and uh, to be able to talk with all of the different kinds of people in uh, in the music industry and, and really grasp what their life and work is about. Also just to see for myself if you know, is producer, being a producer really the main thing which I want to revolve my music career uh, around. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, but yeah, you, you, I mean, you broke through as a producer. Um, I've seen it happen a couple of times to people who study at a conservatorium or a musical study. They break through and they completely stop the study. How's yeah. it for you? Well, um, I guess the timing is a bit uh, crucial to my uh, decision making. Um, yeah, gladly because I didn't have too much influence from my, from my producer life uh, for the last uh, year and uh, almost a year and a half or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I uh, I was able to continue and spend time on my studies because of the pandemic. Like, I, I don't think I could have finished it this uh, this well and this prepared and this focused if I uh, would have the career going on with touring every weekend and um, yeah, lots of shows, lots of production work to do, collabs to do at the same time. <laughs> you name it. Yeah, uh, yeah, stressful. Uh, but yeah, so so actually the, the timing isn't that off for the pandemic. Obviously it is, but no, yeah, study-wise it's... In a way it's, it's almost as if, uh, you know, a hand from above, like divine intervention. <laughs> I was yeah, like, is, is no. Is it boring for you? Uh, like, yeah, you, you had a balance between studying, touring, pr- producing, and now it's yeah. no touring, only school and... Uh, yeah, it's just a bit of a pity. Like, whenever, whenever somebody questions whether something is good for them, they they can think about it like it's the amount of poison you take in. And if if you kind of work on something continuously, like especially in the pandemic, a lot of producers had lots of time to work on music, but then I think a lot of them realized after a couple of months, like, yeah, but this can't go on like this for this long. Um, because you will just at some point go crazy if you just months on end will work on the same thing and for me it was especially the fact that i could go have a you know a nice class with my with my classmates and my 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 very uh, interesting teachers that i felt inspired and and refreshed to work on uh on on solo things again and uh then i would also feel great uh, at the end of the week to to go and have um, a nice weekend in another country tour around do some stuff then next Monday get back to my studies or something else, and yeah, it just makes more sense to have it in that dynamic uh, format. Yeah. It's a bit stressful, but it pays off. Yeah, yeah. Um, something completely different. You were talking about um, just mention it. The amount of poison you're taking in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've read that you're uh, uh, you're living the, the straight edge lifestyle. Yeah. Well. Could you explain yeah. a bit about that? Because that has to do with the amount of poison you're not taking in as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, uh, what I can say about it is that it kind of gradually happened. I am um, like from my teenage years, I never really wanted to be involved into like taking any drugs or doing loads of alcohol. I've definitely tried alcohol and I've had lots of fun with it as well. But yeah, at some at some point, I just noticed that my body really doesn't like it. And maybe that's just how I'm built. Or yeah, but, 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 so so yeah. just just for the listeners, straight edge is basically taking no alcohol, no drugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 At, yeah at least that's my definition of it. Okay. But uh, some people also consider that you have to be vegan if you're straight edge. I don't really agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I can see their uh, their uh, their reasoning for that, behind that. You're not yeah. vegan. No, I'm not vegan. Okay. No, I shy away from uh, from meat. I do eat a little fish sometimes. I love fish. But yeah, no, no, no alcohol. I don't so don't really drink caffeine uh, apart from like a soda 
like once or twice a month at most and um yeah that's just it yeah i don't just i just don't like alcohol too much and i i never try drugs yeah i just never wanted to start getting involved with that a part of your life being in clubs is about alcohol and drugs yeah true and true. so yeah you see a lot of people on stage and off stage and are on a different level you yeah. don't you don't it doesn't bother you no no because you should picture it like this is because i've always re- responded to this situation in the same way that it really doesn't feel foreign to me that whenever i i had already stopped drinking uh when i started getting like very interested and invested in in uh, in being a producer so i never really had this moment of being backstage and that i you know that people got used to the fact that i drunk and the next time that they will see me they would expect me to do it again or something and then i would get in awkward situations or whatever no it's always been that like either me or my agent would like uh very clearly just communicate like it's just not something we're interested in. It's very nice of you that you want to take us like uh, on a, like a drinking tour around town or just want to reserve a special drink for us. Don't have to do that, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's just other things yeah. in life which interest me more. Um, so yeah, no drinking, no drugs, uh, while playing elbow touring. Um, talking about touring, you've done a lot of shows together with Imanu, uh, Jonathan. You've mentioned him yeah. earlier as well. Um, it's been few. Yeah, it's, it's been yeah. your best back-to-back session. Um, he's the rising star of the future next to you, obviously. Um, <laughs> tell, us, tell, us, tell us about your relationship with Imanu. How do you, how do you meet? How, how do you work together? Uh, how we've met is actually an amazing story, so I would love to share that. Ah, yeah, cool. Um, so basically, we have these mutual friends. Joyce, whom you know, mm-hmm. um, she's a great photographer, and uh, I knew her from uh, yeah from the early high school internet Twitter days, where you connected and met at a house party at some point, and then um, yeah, a couple years later, I uh, I saw her at um, I think it was in Amstelveen at P, what is it P sixty yeah. right yeah, um, one of those events hosted that night. Uh, well, Signal, back in the day, throwback. <laughs> um, but also, uh, I think it was Matthews, Hypoxia, Nick B played, maybe some somebody else. I had the poster in my in my bedroom even. That's just thinking back to it, it was such a fun night and also because I met John there. But yeah, that, that was the thing, I met John when we were... So, so yeah, the event was done. I stepped outside to... Um, go home and uh, yeah you know the classic first thing in the morning you just take the first train back to where you come from and yeah me and Joyce had to go into the same direction of Rotterdam mm-hmm. and uh, yeah because Joyce and uh, John knew each other they also traveled together and then I was like oh damn wait that's him and yeah and we just um, we kind of had a funny talk I won't get too much into it like what we talked about because John had a couple of beers um, <laughs> behind him <laughs> very personal things right off the bat but I thought it was amazing I thought yeah it's very it's very cool that you can be so open and honest with like random people and um, yeah so long story short it was about a girl and we were we were both like yeah screw that girl <laughs> she's she's a she's trash let's just go on a date together and uh, we're just gonna get some ramen and uh, we'll just have more fun than uh, than the two of you could ever have. And uh, that was it. And it actually happened like a, a couple of weeks later. 
You had some ramen together. Yeah, we had some yeah, ramen. Yeah, it's always about ramen. Yeah, it's, it's always about ramen. Yeah, ramen. Yeah. Like, how can you not? Like, it's, 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 it's ramen food. on his rider? It's like it ramen is big. on his skin. Like he, oh, really? he has a tattoo of ramen. Are we serious? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's always something that we consider. If a city has great ramen, yeah, then of course. Yeah. There you go. How, how important has he been for your career? Well, yeah. I mean... It already says a lot that my first EP was released on his label. He, he definitely introduced me to a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, because I, I think my music is um, was so interesting to listen to. Like my music was interesting for other producers to listen to because I worked in a really detailed fashion. And that's why I think a lot of artists that Manu introduced me to were keen on getting in touch with me yeah because of the technicality yeah exactly and that's that's how i met up with uh, face florian and uh, yeah he really quickly got in touch he wanted to work together on something and that was even before i released the entire thing mm -hmm. um as as the first uh first ep first release and uh yeah got to go to his place in hamburg work some awesome stuff together later on did an ep for him on his label, New Signal. Had lots of fun working on that. Yeah. So yeah, so he kind of got the ball been, rolling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice, nice. And you basically just met after a party in the train. Yeah. Nice. That's how, Which that's is how like it goes. Which is like a total coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, obviously, John, we know he, he experiments a lot, not just with drum and bass, but with other styles as well. How's that for you? Well, to be honest, I'm in the middle of doing everything except drum and bass. Like, I'm willing to go that far into 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 stating that I do different things now. Yeah, it's basically because I've been literally exclusively been releasing uh, 172 BPM uh, tracks. Yeah. And even though I've very very much been experimenting inside of that range, I uh, yeah at some point it just snapped, and I thought you know why why is it this why does this limitation matter so much to me? Why can't I just pick all of those things I, I learned from other genres and then actually display them as other genres? So, yeah, it made, made much more sense for me to start thinking about multi-genre uh, releases and uh, also presenting myself as a multi-genre act, which yeah. is definitely going to happen. I can also imagine, like, well, like we discussed earlier, with, with the boundaries that you set, you set for yourself now because yeah. you came into a certain way of working with drum and bass working yeah. with other genres kind of expands that a bit yeah and also you get this you get this fresh uh, objective uh, view again because like if I would then for the first time start at another BPM like there are different reasons why stuff works at that BPM and I need to relearn those things and along the way I'll probably learn a whole bunch of other things and make different sounds for different uses so, yeah. yeah. So, so it won't Lots just be bunching the, the drum and bass or one of the seventy-two producer, but just yeah. bunching the. Actually, from the, the very start, I I never hoped that people would see me like that. Like I I had hoped that they would see my music as something that speaks more for me as an individual rather than me as a drum and bass artist. Is it that uh, all those genres you're planning to release? Is it all under the name? Bunshin, or do you think you, get, you well, will come up with alter egos and say like, oh, for that genre, I'll pick that name? Or yeah, well, it's not a bad idea, but it's something I'll have to discover because like I'm also 
working in a new like um, the digital environment right now. I like just got a new um, desktop set up with a new uh, DAW, so a digital audio workstation, and um, and I'm exploring a lot in there and and consciously trying to not make something that resembles drum and bass. And yeah, what comes out of that? I'm not sure whether it will still fit under the name Bunshin, whether it makes sense for me to try and display it like that. And um, but we'll see. I, I mean, it comes all from me, from the same mind, with the same muscle memory, with the same, you know, uh, opinion on what things sound good. So. And yeah. so now uh, you produce as Bunshin and you perform as Bunshin as a DJ. Yeah. But everything I hear, your study, everything you do, really, yeah, why not live or as as yeah. a as a band kind of thing? Because of yeah, it's 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 kind of that the idea of also why, for instance, uh, exclusively released under the tracks at 172 BPM. I also had the same idea with performance. I've had like lots of opportunities at school to work with other programs like Max for Life or Super Collider or Ableton Live and make great live setups, work with different microphone setups, different types of microphones, do different performance related things because I also had classes in that. But there are just so many things to pick and choose from if you really want to go into that route. That is much easier to say, well, I'm just going to go DJ because I know how to do it. I like doing it. It fits, it resonates with the music I like to make. Of course, I can go the extra mile, but I also can just keep it not so complicated. So it's also easy to, for other people to understand. Yeah, yeah, but you will not rule it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, obviously, you're only basically still just begun. So there's, yeah. there's a lot to explore. Yeah. yeah. Maybe from a first album or something. Yeah, we don't know. No, no, yeah. exactly. You, you were talking about the digital age that we're that we're living in. Yeah. Um, and what I read in one of the interviews, I mean, your name Bunshin, um, it's Japanese, right? Yeah, it's partially working, Japanese. Partially Japanese, yeah. yeah. But you put an extra letter to it for search engine optimization. Is it something that you've been working on from the beginning just to make sure that you're easily found, being available, or yeah, so active on social media? So this mindset that everything needs to be absolutely perfect, which I had from the start, I kind of wanted to represent my name in that way as well. So I was thinking about various like practical factors, like what you mentioned, like search engine optimization. But I also wanted to make it make sense to me at the same time. And it's it's the exact same problem you have when, when making music. Like, oh, you want to display some kind of emotion. You want to display like uh, a complexity, but it also needs to make sense for you know practical use like a DJ or something. Why not try to find the perfect name which fits with all of those uh, prerequisites as well, which ended up being Bunshin because I just yeah, I like the the idea and the vibe of that name. If I saw it written down, I thought, yeah, that looks nice. Um, also, that it starts with the letter B is like uh, alphabetically um, has it has a very high priority yeah. there. And then also search engine optimization was great. I could just type it into Google and see when I hadn't posted anything or didn't make any social media accounts yet. I had like literally about 2000 search results on the entirety of the internet. So it was really easy for me to monitor things that would relate to my career as well. So if some, some, if I would have released something, I could see like, oh, 
well, I'm getting extra things on different websites. More search results means like more good things, maybe. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. more statistics. That makes a lot more sense than NCT, which is also the, the Korean pop band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, but that started too. later on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah but still, nowadays yeah, it's just... Too bad, man, too bad. <laughs> it's really, really wanting to play still. And with wanting everything to be perfect, um, you were talking about uh, how a lot of drum and bass producers uh, are thinking about the impact that the music has on the dance floor. Yeah. Do you take that into account as well with making your music? Because you started at, I want to make this music, I want it to be perfect. Yeah, I definitely did at the start. Yeah, because as I said, the the, the single thought that was going to my mind is just how is it going to sound on the dance floor? How can I make something that I want to hear it there and experience there? And um, yeah, let me tight. <laughs> <laughs> take your time. But basically, um, yeah. Um, I guess at the start it was very interesting for me and then later on I started getting the idea that oh yeah but if if this is my only prerequisite of what the music needs to be then it's going to be the same thing every time and um, then I started thinking also with, with the pandemic like okay so a lot of people also listen to my music at home fun on Spotify on other streaming services you know why why shouldn't I think or why shouldn't I take that into account at least a little bit you know or what are my own habits in using these kind of streaming services and how would I like to represent my myself that way there's like I almost exclusively use Spotify right now and because I like it so much I almost want to you know make music that works well on Spotify because I want to listen to it like that myself yeah yeah um. So you grew up in a digital age, so yeah. do you release or are you planning to release on vinyl? Is that an option? It's for actually you? gonna happen. Yeah. Oh, so first vinyl. Oh. First Bunchy vinyl. Woohoo! Yeah, no, it's it's gonna happen on Inspected. Yeah, they've oh. uh, they've recently announced that. Um, do you have a turntable at home? I do. Oh. Actually, I do have a great one. Like, not a turntable to DJ with, of course, uh, but I have like my dad. Uh, showed me his turntable ever since I, I grew up and he's yeah, using it all the time. He is a vinyl collector. Um, and uh, yeah, recently in my, in my newer place, I got like a piece of audio furniture we got at a thrift shop. And it was basically, I think about 25 bucks and it had a built-in um, built old school radio, yeah. a built-in vinyl player and two built in very, very, very good speakers. Like for 25 they, euros. 25 euros. <laughs> yeah, like I, I bargained for 25 because um, at thrift shops, it's like very normal that the that the personnel doesn't have any time to test any of the equipment. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it's a piece of audio f furniture. Like, why won't you test it? And then he said, yeah, okay. Uh, You can just have it for 25 bucks, but then I won't. Don't want to see your face again in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I just joined it, and now I have a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So finals coming, and you'll be able to play that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So yeah, talking about vinyl, that's that's kind of taking it back to the old school and before the interview we had a small chat about your jacket which really looked similar like yeah LTJ Bookham's yeah the logical progression yeah, photo yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like who's LTJ Bookham so we obviously <laughs> explained it to you um, guilty um, exposed <laughs> but yeah I mean you 
basically just started in drum and bass, but now, now you're here, you probably know what happened back in the back in the days, basically, because yeah. you're working with Fresh, you've been working with Noisia, with people who've been there forever. Is there any ever in the drum and bass history that you're like, yeah, shit, I really wanted to be, to, to know drum and bass in that era already? No, I'm not envious about any of that knowledge, actually, yeah. Because like, not only would it then make it so that I probably would have made different music, it also is like, fine the way it is. Like I really love the music I first encountered when I started discovering drum and bass, yeah. No, but it definitely does help to now in hindsight and, or in retrospect to uh, go into these genres. I'm definitely, when I get home today, gonna look into this, uh, this, this guy and, uh, and see what he's been up to. <laughs> But yeah, that inspires me on a whole new level, like uh, to be able to try and, and find out what their techniques were from that era and try to make music like that for once, even though I come from a different perspective. Yeah, there's, there's still a lot yeah. to discover, obviously. But for you, the timing's been perfect the way it is. And yeah, man. Man, it's just the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. like that. Yeah. After looking back, looking now, it's time to look forward. So, yeah. So uh, you told uh, you told us there's a collaboration with uh, with Fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a due date that when it's coming no, out? No. No. Okay. Not exactly. Yeah. Okay. We're, what is coming out this year and next year? Basically, I don't have that much plans. Like I'm working on a remix right now for uh, uh, Rohan. Yeah. He's like, uh, I, I met him at Amsterdam Dance Event. Now I think about it. That's like, I met him like a couple blocks away from this place. <laughs> yeah, that's funny actually. But um, yeah, great guy. He got in touch. We stayed in touch after. Um, and then uh, at some point he proposed that I would remix his last uh, his last LP uh, called Bleach. And I picked one of the tracks called City of Ezra. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great atmospheric uh, track, and it's really stylish. I think like there aren't that many artists who who come from the like EDM type age, which like to make you know non EDM type moves in their music. So no over digitalized sounds, very very analog, very acoustic, and uh, I loved it. And I wanted to you know shape it into something that I would like to call my own, and um, made something that is a bit. Yeah, darker. So yeah. So that's coming out, and you don't have a release schedule. No, no, ex- schedule. no exact dates. Uh, no, that's okay. the, that's the way it is with remixes. <laughs> that's the way it is. And like you mentioned, from the West, you're just yeah working on all kinds of music. Yeah, definitely. So so many work in progress tracks. I think I'm sitting on about like 20 unreleased tracks or something. Oh, nice. So the future yeah. is looking bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once, once we're done with COVID. Yeah, and yeah bright as in. Much high frequencies. <laughs> no, <laughs> screw high frequencies. Still, still in the loudness mode? No, no. no, no gave up, gave up that that thing. Yeah, always very much inspired by it at the start, but I don't care anymore, man. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I think that's a proper way to close it down, right? I yeah, think we've had. Yeah, is there is there anything you want to add to the for the listeners? Uh, follow me on Instagram. what's <laughs> <laughs> up. <laughs> re, 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 repost me on TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. 
But we could um, still do it, obviously. But if, you, yeah, if you're not doing it, yeah, yeah. I should. Get, no, I think I have a TikTok account. Yeah, actually. Serious? So my daughter can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I see six. I can. Do, I can. I can do a pretty bad nene. Not gonna lie. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for thanks for for taking time to chat us and yeah. Yeah. Thanks for Good having me, man. It's been really fun. This was the Q edited by podcast with Bunshin. Thank you very much. You're tuned in to the Curated by Podcasts.